0: Hello, welcome to the Just Bloody Post It podcast. I'm Helen Perry, your host and small business owner. Yes, thanks to my following on Instagram and beyond, I am the master of my own destiny, making an income out of sharing what I've learnt about content marketing and audience growth. You can do a lot with an online audience, you see. You can own the results of all your hard work and consistency. Our guest this time knows this well, and she's going to tell us how she's gone from stylist to online shopping empire builder in just a couple of years.
1: And I just put up a post, and it was me. I was in a a field of yellow flowers wearing a T-shirt with the meat boutique that we'd had printed, and I put, big news. And I just talked about it, and I said, link in my bio. My phone was just going ding, 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 ding. We were looking at each other going, (laughs) <laughs> I mean it was just amazing. and um, so we just thought, wow, we are onto something here, and it's you know, it's developed from then. So there was definitely a market for
0: it. Lynn Meek is a personal stylist, turned Instagram creator and influencer, turned founder of the Meek Boutique, an independent family-run clothing store set up to answer the fashion needs of Lynn's online audience. Because in growing her Instagram account, Lynn discovered that there are lots of her type of woman out there and not a lot of places selling the kind of comfy, casual, with a touch of glamour, clothes that she loves. So she decided to start finding and selling them for herself in 2018 and now her husband and children are in the business too and it's growing fast it all started actually when her kids suggested she give Instagram a whirl
1: Twitter and Facebook were the two things that I concentrated on back in 2012 because that was what was available I think it must have been about 2015 um, my family that persuaded me to go on Instagram, and, and again, <laughs> very resistant. Went, oh, do I really have to? You know, I'm doing Facebook, i I just don't have time. And I remember my son, Mum, this is perfect for you. You're so creative, and it's just the perfect platform, and you're going to love it, even if you don't want right, to use it. To be
0: fair, yeah. <laughs> and, and thank
1: goodness he did. And, yeah. and so I, I started on there again, not really having great expectations. So I had about 800 followers, and thinking. I'm sure I can do better than this. There's a lot of people that got quite a lot more followers. So what do I need to do? And I just looked online and and sort of went into a few sort of forums and and places where people were talking and some blogs where people were talking about how they grew their Instagram feed. I had a concerted effort for six months where I heavily engaged. I, I probably spent about two or three hours every day. So this wasn't something I was kind of dipping my toe in and sort of thinking. I made a very concerted effort and spent a lot of time following people that I thought I really liked and then looking at their feeds and um, seeing the people that they were engaging with and following them. Like I think a lot of people when you start, you don't have so many followers yourself, but you can be following quite a lot of other people. And then gradually, the scales start changing. So you end up, you've got more followers, you're, you're following less people. So I just applied myself and there's no I get asked it all the time, oh, you know, how do you get your following? You know, what's the what's the easy way? Well, the answer is there is no easy way. There's only one way, and that is by working bloody hard at it. <laughs> you just have to keep at it, and you have to keep at it every single day. You just can't afford to kind of drop yeah. it. But at the same time, I realized the importance of it. Mm-hmm. What I didn't really appreciate at the time, it wasn't helping my signing business too much because it was people all over the world, and it was people that weren't local to me. But at the same time, I, I was finding that I was becoming very um, inspired by what other people were doing. So it was helping my business because it was giving me very up to date tips on um, on what was going on out there. And that, you know, it's very difficult unless you're at the cutting edge of fashion to sort of know what's going on. But at the same time, I also wanted to know what other people wanted and felt like. And um, they didn't want to be cutting edge. They just wanted to feel kind of good, but not in a particularly conspicuous way. They just wanted to feel really lovely, but not, not kind of setting any kind of benchmarks or standards. So Instagram was really, really good for that.
0: And also all the brands and stockists that are opened up to you. You know, you said you were occasionally struggling to find these things that you wanted, you knew people wanted to wear, but yeah. it's all on Instagram. It's exactly. all discoverable.
1: So it's multi, multi-layered in so many, so many ways. And of course, one of the things that I didn't really appreciate either was the community that I would build and what a lovely community it is because by then Twitter had just fallen massively out of favour with me I I began to hate it so it was the easy one to drop I just thought I'm not going to do this anymore because it's not helping me and it's actually becoming quite a toxic place to be so that gave me more time then to sort of feed into Instagram for me I just am surrounded by so many amazing people that I'm inspired by that I love talking to every day that are supportive that are fun
0: a lot of stylists fashion enthusiasts like you, Lynn, they go on to Instagram with kind of the same intention. How do I build a good following? How do I connect up with people who love what I love? But quite often the outcome for them can be, will I be able to work with brands? Will I get some free stuff? Will I get sponsored posts? When did you decide that you were going to use the following to grow a business and sell product to them rather than go down an influencer route for example?
1: I was an influencer for quite a few years and I think if I'd have carried on that route I probably would have become quite a big influencer. I would have had a bigger following than I have now and it had a very different kind of life. It wasn't something I particularly enjoyed. That I think if you live in London and you've got plenty of time during the day to sort of go to lots of events and do lots of fun films, it's a brilliant, brilliant thing and I know loads of influencers that love doing it but it's not as easy as it looks there's an awful lot of time involved I didn't particularly enjoy it because I just didn't I didn't want to be put under pressure just to keep flogging stuff for other people that I was always very considered about it I never took on things that I didn't like but I didn't necessarily love absolutely everything because honesty is such an important part of my world that I just didn't want people to think that I'm I'm just kind of you know flogging on any old thing And, and so it just it it didn't feel that it sat so well with my kind of core values, I think. Ultimately, the biggest thing for me is helping other people. It's just, it's a, such a, a motivator. I mean, I guess you can call me a people pleaser. <laughs> but What I didn't expect was that it was going to end up sort of becoming something that pleased me so much, <laughs> and became and became such a family business. You know, I've always wanted to help other people because people have always said, "Oh, you know, that looks lovely. Where'd you get? Oh, you can find it. You know." And I'd, I'd search it out for them and say, "Here you go. You know." And that's that's what I just like doing. And um, so then to turn that into a business felt the most natural kind of progression really
0: what were the first things that you decided to sell at the meek boutique How did you source them? Where did you sell them? Did you have a website already? How did it all work? How did you get it off the ground?
1: Well, we're very lucky in our family that our eldest son is a web developer. He kind of created a website for us and one of my clients is in PR and she immediately said when I told her about it, she said, right, you need to create a separate brand from your signing business. It needs to have its own kind of name. I just remember going on holiday with my husband. We went to Costa Rica, actually, and I remember sitting by the pool and looking through, just starting to search and then realizing actually this is really hard it's you can't just find wholesalers there's not some lovely google search that you can just find them it's incredibly difficult so at the beginning it was just hundreds of hours of having to do a lot of legwork, and then going to trade fairs and things like that so it was really really difficult at the beginning and um, for a lot of wholesalers they want you to have a shop or they want you to have you know a lot more kind of standing they want you to be in um, fact registered and all the things so it was very chicken and egg so it kind of started quite slowly as i sort of found bits and pieces and then then kind of grew momentum as we grew then we we found finding wholesalers was a lot easier because we had a lot more to prove so it's it's really not easy at the beginning very difficult
0: and what was it exactly that you wanted to sell for that audience that you'd known for all those years in the shop, for the people who are following you on Instagram? What's your ethos around your product? What were you trying to find that wasn't already out there?
1: I think because my style has always been comfy casual, kind of well put together, easy peasy pieces, but with a little bit of a kind of cool twist. That's always been my kind of style anyway. And when I went to people's houses, I was hearing the same thing when I was going through their wardrobes. So I've got Loads of kind of scruffy stuff and loads of office or event stuff. I haven't got anything in the middle. So I, I just thought, Oh, well, that's, that's the bit I love. So that was, that was a bit of a, you know, turning point for me that, Oh, actually, this is going to be quite easy because this is, this is my thing. I'm not having to go out of my comfort zone and talk about power dressing or clothes to walk the dogs in. That isn't what people wanted. They wanted that kind of middle bit of the wardrobe that was for, things that you can dress up and dress down. That was always the goal at the beginning was to find those pieces because they were the pieces that I was always looking for. Joggers particularly, and we've made a business out of joggers because elasticated waists are something that everyone loves.
0: Do you know what? I could just see people in my mind listening to this going, this woman speaks my <laughs> language. Nice.
1: She knows me. She sees my soul. <laughs> Who needs a tight waistband? <laughs> but at the same time, they didn't want a pair of track seat bottoms. They wanted something that looked a bit more stylish. So what, our bestseller, from day 1 to to today it's always been about the comfy trousers because um it's just something that everyone needs and for most of the women that i was working with they were either oh, they had young children um and it was everything from the kind of mid 30s up to 70 in that age bracket and they were all saying the same thing well you know i've had a cesarean or i've or i've got um i've got bowel issues or i've got so there's just a million and a one reasons why a woman's stomach isn't her favorite place and they needed things that made them feel comfortable.
0: Well, remind me of the date that you launched the business. Which year was it? Two thousand
1: and eighteen. Yeah. So it was it was August two thousand and eighteen.
0: Did you know straight away that you were on to yeah. something? Day, day one when we launched, I did.
1: I had no build up. I didn't make any comment about anything on Instagram, so it was a complete surprise. So nobody was sort of. I didn't do the teaser campaign because I just wanted to kind of make a big thing, and I just put up a post, and it was me. Wearing, I was in a a field of yellow flowers, wearing a T-shirt with the Meat Boutique that we'd had printed, and I put big news, and I just talked about it, and um, and I said link in my bio, and that day, I mean, I, I'll never forget it. It was unbelievable. The my phone was just going ding, 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 and we were just we were looking at each other going, oh my god. <laughs> Unbelievable. And I was out with friends that night. And every time that my phone went ding, everyone went, woo! (laughs) And it was just amazing. And um, so we just thought, wow, we are onto something here. And it's just sort of, you know, it's developed from then. So there was definitely a market for it. There definitely is a market for it. And of course, COVID has been... Whilst it's been very difficult for some businesses. Yeah, it's been really good for us. It's, um you know, a lot of people are, are, are working from home now, are buying from home. It's it's enabled us to grow our business even further. So
0: I remember having a brief DM exchange with you about that. You sometimes pop into my DMs when I've written something like, Instagram is hard work. And you go, yes, it is. <laughs> you tell them. I don't know what it was this day. Uh, I mean, my business blossomed in lockdown as well. And I remember you messaged me going my god i mean because we sell comfy clothing this is yeah. just incredible how has it grown when did you start to bring in help and get an hq and tell us the story of that
1: well we started from from home like a lot of people most most people i think sort of start from there you know for us it was our spare bedroom in the loft <laughs> they were the two the two places that we were holding stock um, and that lasted for about six months. And my husband had a chauffeuring business. I had my styling business and we had the meat boutique because that's, it's a, that's a sensible thing to do rather than, you know, you don't put all your eggs in one basket without knowing the outcome. So that's, so that was incredibly hard in that time. We were absolutely frazzled and going up and down a loft ladder when you're tired and, and jaded is probably not to be recommended. It probably wasn't the best idea. But then after six months, my husband sold his um, business and came on board full time. We got premises um, locally, which were great because we had storage. So then we expanded the business. That for the next eighteen months was pretty much it. And then when COVID kind of struck, our youngest son, who worked in London in sales and marketing, was um, put on furlough, and he was just popping in to help us. You know, we weren't paying him; he wasn't part of the business really. But he we needed help because business really started to take off, and we couldn't cope. And um, he, with his business head on, started to say, "This business is." Amazing. I mean, I don't think he knew it was, but he didn't really have been sort of inside. Yeah. And then he started to sort of say, well, you could make it even bigger and you know, you could do this and you could do that coming up with all these brilliant ideas. Um, and very much like you do, Helen, with your um, Instagram, you've then gone on to doing a lot of emails. He was going, you know, you need to be doing more newsletters. And and we were like, yeah, it's all very well, but we're absolutely shattered. We, can't, we
0: can't. No more hours of the day. We have none. We've got got nothing. Nothing. We
1: have yeah. nothing. <laughs> so um, so the, anyway, cut, very long story short, he joined the business in uh, September 2020 and has been a massive part in our growth ever since. You know, we're just really lucky in the family that we've all got the skills that we need to run this business which is quite extraordinary and I still kind of pinch myself with that really but um it's not to say that it's all sweetness and light all the time we
0: do we do get grumpy with each
1: other for sure but it's we've all got the same passion the same goal so it's you know it's easy
0: just talking about your um online content again so you've a lot of the people that I work with maybe have been working up to selling something online and then the day comes where they need to sell it and you've had to pivot what you were doing from being quite i suppose a soft sell like you say a lot of your followers wouldn't have been able to access your styling services to being like i'm now a model for my business and day in day out i'm going to be potentially selling you these clothes did that go
1: smoothly it did because it was a natural kind of segue i think from me being an influencer and putting myself in in clothes and I'm very glad that I had all those years of experience, and and my poor husband Russ had the experience of taking pictures of me. I mean, all the years that he was a chauffeur, and he was, he was, he was <laughs> going, oh, yeah, <laughs> hurry up, hurry up, you know, trying to take a picture, and there's me going, "It's rubbish! I've got a tree no, growing out of my head." Enough. You know, what are you doing? Yeah, we've been through some definite difficult times when it comes to photography, but because I had all that experience, I was kind of up and running already. So a lot of things just were made it easier, and the, all the business experience I had. From all the years that I was sitting in an office, and so it felt like every path kind of, you know, came came to this point. But it, but at the same time, you know, some people didn't like it because they wanted me to still be an influencer and give all these different things. And suddenly, here I was only talking about the meat boutique. So, but those people just fall by the wayside, and they find other influencers. I've been very lucky that I've retained and grown my audience. And um, you know, I think I've got something like thirty-seven thousand followers now, which is well, most of it has come since I launched in two thousand and eighteen. So. Yeah, I've been really lucky there. People are very loyal.
0: How do you do the content creation now? Is, it, is that still
1: in, yeah, in the family? Yeah, no, I do. I do all of it. But we've had um, a bit of outside help with um, with some videography and some like, professional photographers coming in and doing bits and pieces. But 99% of what we... Put out there is created by me, really, and and Russ is a photographer. We haven't got the budget for it yet, though we may one day. But also, I'm always I'm always here, and I can be creating it myself. So it's just it's quite important, and I
0: I just like the fact that it's my voice. Yeah, I was going to say, would it be what people wanted to? All yeah. of a sudden, it be professional photos, and uh, you know, you, you have a very very strong connection with the woman that you sell to. I
1: think that's really important
0: because they
1: want to be heard. And I think when you're listening and you're speaking and you're speaking their language, then they feel that they're being listened to. So it works both ways. I can hear what they're saying
0: and they can hear what I'm saying. And, and that's
1: that's been a massive part of the business and it's great, I think.
0: Doing social media is not for everyone, but I would always advise people against wanting to hand off your social media content to somebody else too quickly because you it's such a great source of customer research and anybody listening to you talk today would be able to hear how much you have been able to learn about your customer in real life on the internet and how much you continue to learn from them have you made mistakes oh, about yeah. buying in products and things like that things that people don't love it's a learning curve and I, I I'm
1: naturally I wouldn't say I'm flamboyant but I'm quite confident in the way that I dress and I'm quite happy to wear things that are a little bit out of the norm and I've, I've I have to rein myself in because I'll see something I think oh my god that's amazing and not everyone will feel the same way and so the vast majority of customers are wanting to look on trend but not too trendy they don't want to be too much of a statement they just like easy pieces that all kind of blend so that's been a a learning curve that I you know I have to (laughs) I have to kind of toe the line in a fashion sense
0: (laughs) it's important though because our customers are not us are they and you do you do learn that over time I've i had to learn that people don't necessarily want to be on video and stuff whereas I'm like just yes, hands come on I but you know that you know for some people it's just excruciating and you have to you have to understand for them I think it's an
1: interesting point because I think social media is a natural place for extroverts and I mean that in a way that people get energy from other people not in terms of confidence or anything I used to misunderstand that word and think that extrovert meant that you're just this super confident person so I never described myself as that but I now understand it's completely different is actually people um, who are extrovert get a very positive energy out of engaging with other people they find it it makes them feel um, it gives them a sort of a buzz and it makes them feel happy and it, it, they're, that engagement is really really important to them and lockdown totally proved that to me that I need people I'm not good without people um, whereas introverts are, get drained by other people and they find the whole thing overwhelming and they just, all they want to do is go into a room and shut the door and turn everything off. And so that made sense for me with social media. It made total sense why some people find it really, really difficult because they are natural introverts and it just, it, it doesn't give them the buzz. It actually overwhelms and frightens and upsets them. So once I understood that, it kind of made sense of a lot of why some people are like they are. And a lot of people are happier to be, Silent stalkers, I call them
0: <laughs> then they are creators oh respect respect the style silent stalkers they're still watching they're still maybe they're still buying they're still telling their friends most people are like that to be fair I, don't, I think you know
1: the vast majority and sometimes you think, oh is there any point actually putting all this stuff out there because you don't get so much um sort of likes and all that kind of stuff, but it doesn't mean to say they're not following and they're not watching you you get a tiny proportion I think we've talked about this before you get you know, it, it might be a 5% of who's seeing it will actually like it. But you can then look at it and think, oh, it's pointless doing that. It was only got so many likes. But it, it doesn't mean to say that the people that like it are all the people that are watching it or listening to it. So, yeah, it's important to remember that.
0: Your best customer could be uh, somebody you've never, who's never been on your radar, who's never liked anything, who's never you, who's yeah. never, you know, uh, you know, that could be absolutely your most engaged with person i just wanted to actually quickly talk to you about facebook Mm. advertising because i know that is something you've really embraced as a product business as with all aspects of your work you or i think your son have really sort of educated and trained yourself about how to use that what kind of difference has that made for you
1: huge difference huge difference and and again this is something that that tom was very keen to develop when we started and i'd I'd been doing a bit of a scattergun approach to advertising. I was sort of boosting posts and he, he really did some research on what i had been doing already and, and just basically, <laughs> basically said, yeah, well, that was complete rubbish. <laughs> he said, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. You don't know what you're doing. You're just wasting money. So I was like, okay. <laughs> right. So what do we do about it? So he, he then taught himself how to do Facebook and, and got um, some instruction through Facebook as well. They, they have tutors that can train you. So he spent many months doing that and then started putting a budget at the beginning that, that totally freaked me out. I was like, I can't spend that. And he said, well, how do you think we're going to grow the business if you don't put the money into the advertising? But, um, it absolutely pays off. And, you know, the more you spend, the more it will translate into sales. And we spend a lot of money every day. We don't just do something once a month. We spend money every single day, but you have to get to that point you know there's no point starting and you also need the products to back it up so it's like anything you just gradually grow and as you grow you can put more money into stock and more money into advertising and that's that's how we've grown the business but yeah facebook advertising and newsletters have been very big for us
0: yeah and as with all things you need to learn you need to teach yourself yes. or train family well members exactly to do it for you oh, what Whatever works for you. Lynn, what does the future hold now for the meat boutique? What, what would you like it to be in future? Well, there's a few things we're thinking of that I
1: wouldn't really want to talk about at the moment, but, but we have. Well, what I just, can, you uh, we, tell me? <laughs> we have a plan to, to grow bigger and maybe in other directions as well, but we'll never stop the core of what we're doing now, which is we will always be selling great layering pieces and comfy clothes for women of in in their kind of middle years because that's our strongest we do have some younger and some older but that's that's kind of our our niche but we don't like making any mistakes like you were saying earlier of course you make mistakes that's as part of a learning curve and you have to make mistakes to know how to do things better but you know hopefully as time goes on you become more and more efficient and we can make better decisions and better buying decisions and everything else. But so, yeah, growth is is um, still the driver for us. And then if we get the growth, then we might diversify into a couple of other little areas as well. But we'll, we'll see if that happens or not. It might not. If we decide it's the
0: wrong thing, then we won't. I look forward to seeing how it grows, Lynn. I feel really sure that it will. I feel like the sky might be the limit. And if you had a piece of advice for somebody who is running a product business or would like to run a product business via their social audience? I
1: mean, I could give you probably ten thousand pieces of advice, but i'll give you two
0: firstly, when it comes
1: to marketing your business, which is key because without that you're not going to sell anything marketing is is everything don't rely too much on one thing I don't come from a marketing background I don't have marketing experience in my past particularly, but um, the one thing that i just instinctively feel is that you have to have several I, I, I don't know what the technical term is because I'm not trained but I, I call it the drip 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 effect so it's having it's spreading your marketing over several places that way if you get referrals and you've got you're on Facebook and then you've got someone talking about you on a podcast or you've got someone hearing about you on the radio and then they see you in a magazine and all the things that I've done over the years it's it's that drip, drip, drip. And it might be the seventh time that they've heard about you. They go, right, I'm going to buy something now. Just keep pl- plowing several paths because it's no point just just going down one, just saying, I'm just going to do Facebook. I'm not going to do anything else because you're limiting your market. So spread it as much as you can across lots of different ways. Um And then my second piece of advice, and I think it's really, really, really important, is to be completely authentic about what it is that you're doing and what it is you're saying. You can't cut and paste someone else's business. So don't try and copy it. It's got to come from your heart and your gut, but do something you really love. So it feels a natural thing. You're not having, because if you've got to fight against all your instincts and all your thoughts and what other people are saying, then it's going to be a much harder job. So do what you absolutely love and you feel very comfortable doing it doesn't matter what it is if you love it then that passion will come across to other people and you're not gonna have to fight that bit it will just be a smooth smoother ride
0: thank you lynn it's been a joy Who doesn't love a grafter? Lynn works so hard. And if you follow her on Instagram, that will become obvious. It's extremely consistent, but she's not hustling. She works in a way that's true to her values and that resonates with her right people. The comfy trouser, elasticated waist people. The strongest marketing takeaway from this conversation, I think, is if you'd like to turn an audience into a profit, remember that social media is a two-way channel. You can say your thing, but perhaps the most valuable part of it is going to be what you get back from your audience, the intelligence about what they love and need from you. That's it for now. Just bloody post it. We'll be back soon. And if you don't want to miss an episode, then subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you'd like other people to hear it, yes, please, then leave a pleasant review on iTunes. Sue's the producer, and I get very excited when a new one of those comes in. Thank you so much, always. Goodbye for now.